0: Hello, Chosen Mamas. Welcome to season two of the Chosen Mamas podcast. We are so excited to dive into some really amazing topics over this next semester. Please join us, sit down with a cup of coffee or tea, and just be invited in to share and fellowship with us as Christian moms.
1: Today, we are so excited to introduce a guest who we will be featuring for the next month. Gracia Burnham and her husband Martin were missionaries over in the Philippines when taken hostage by militant terrorists and held captive for over a year. You can read more of her riveting story in the New York Times bestseller, In the Presence of My Enemies. Today we talk about the impact that missions has had in Gracia's life as well as how every single Christian can help bring the gospel to unreached people groups that still exist in the world today. This episode was recorded in my basement and so you will be hearing some sounds of the place including coos and cries from my kiddos. So if you think you're losing your mind and that your kids are making sounds that they're not, don't worry, it's mine. Without further ado, we hope you enjoy listening in on our talk with Gracia Burnham. Gracia, thank you so much for being here with us. It really... It's a privilege to have you here. Could you just give us a little bit of your background and your story for people who may not know?
2: Sure, thank you, I'm honored to be here. Um, My husband Martin and I have a unique story. Uh, We were missionaries in the Philippines, which isn't all that unique, but um, after our 17th year in the Philippines, we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and were taken hostage by militant Muslims that live in that area of the Philippines. And they held us captive for a little over a year in the jungle, just running for our lives from the Philippine military, who of course were trying to rescue us. Mm-hmm. And um, so we you know, witnessed the atrocities these guys committed as we just roamed around in the jungle for more than a year. and in our 17th gun battle. Uh, More than a year later, my husband, Martin, was killed, but I was rescued and got to come home and tell my story. So I travel a lot now and tell my story, and I guess here we go again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for Mm, being here. I'm honored.
3: And Gracia, would you tell us a little bit about your background and heart for missions Mm. and the, connection that you had with the other missionary families, the relationships that your kids developed? Because it really did seem from reading your book and the presence of my enemies that it was just a very strong network.
2: Mm. Well, the missionary community is a tight-knit community. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor, so I grew up um, learning about the Lord and was saved at an early age. I asked the Lord to be my Savior and I understood all that at a very early age. And of course we had missionaries in our home all the time. So I grew up knowing that there were certain people that are just sort of picked for for special work and would go overseas. So that was always in the back of my mind, but it's not like I was headed that way. And then I met Martin Burnham, (laughs) who grew up in the Philippines. His parents were tribal missionaries with New Tribes Mission. We work with people out in the middle of nowhere um, in jungle areas. And so Martin grew up in that kind of a family and atmosphere, and uh, he saw the difference that the gospel makes in An unreached people group truly and then when he graduated from high school came back and got a Bible degree and um, a bunch of pilot experience and we went back as a missionary pilot family and our children were born in the Philippines and uh, of course we loved our life there and the kids grew up there um, homeschooling and um, Just, yeah, our extended family was our new Tribes Mission family. It was other people who were doing the very same thing. We were trying to reach tribal people with the gospel, however that looked, whatever their little job was. And we got to do that for 17 years. Yeah, it was awesome. I think life on the mission field, raising children overseas is the world's best-kept secret, <laughs> really? I think. I think that's what our children would say, too. They really mm-hmm. loved their life overseas. Wow.
3: I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, when I first read your book and heard your story, I have to tell you, I felt guilty because I did not grow up in a home where we studied about missionaries. Mm. I really did not know, and my eyes were opened in reading your book, about people who sacrificed their lives and their will is for spreading the gospel and for sharing the kingdom with others. And I was really just, um, taken back to, to really think and, and really start praying and reading through areas of your website, which I believe is graciaburnham.org. Uh-huh. Right. Um, to look at these missionary organizations and the people who are sacrificing, to, to do the will of God and to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying in our February meeting, for those of you Chosen Moms who weren't there with us, that you were just one of the missionary pilots. That's what Martin's job was. And you, of course, had a vital role in that. But you weren't actually a missionary. And I thought, that is so humble of her to say mm-hmm. because your efforts there were just as vital in reaching those people groups as mm-hmm. the people yeah. living and getting to know the actual um, different Mm. Um, native peoples there
2: it truly does take a group of people to reach people with the gospel it takes people in the united states of america who put money in the offering plate to send those missionaries in the first place without you the whole Mm. thing crumbles so Mm. it's not like you should feel guilty at all um if if god's impressed you that Wow, this missions thing is really a great thing. Get behind it by, you know, giving. Um, your family can even choose a missionary that you give individually to. So, um, you know, we all have our part to play. And some people are really good at learning language and really good at communicating, and of course, they become the the missionaries and they're doing the the hard work. And some people are really good at translating, and they translate the scriptures and um, some people are really good at spending money (laughs) and they buy all your all the stuff you know think of 12 families out in the bush living where there are no grocery stores no Mm. no anything and someone back in town has to have access to that family's money and they have to buy their toothpaste and their peanut butter Mm. in there Um, everything you buy for a month Someone would have to buy that for you and box it up and make sure it's the brand you like. And so, even, um, you know, bookkeeping, anything that you're good at, it could be used on the mission field because it really does take a a lot of people to keep the ministry going. It's not just one family moving in somewhere Mm -hmm. and doing the work. Yeah.
0: Grisha, what would you say is, um, this sounds like a weird question maybe, but the future of missions. You know, I think sometimes we, It's so far removed from us that we think, oh, you know, they'll go and they'll do this. But, like, do you feel like, I think in scriptures it says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Do you feel like God is sending new missionaries, new young people into the mission field um, to do his work? Or, you know, what is kind of the global scope? Because we have so much Mm. going on with COVID and all this Mm. stuff how does that you know evolve with mission work mm-hmm. as well he
2: he most definitely is sending people and mm-hmm. he picks people and they um you know a lot of kids they'll go to college for some awesome degree like and i don't know animal husbandry or something and mm-hmm. they're going to mm-hmm. run a ranch and all of a sudden god impresses on them you need to go to the mission field and you know here comes this mm-hmm. big huge turn in what you thought you were going to be And I'm always surprised every year I go and speak at just our missionary training center just for our organization. And, you know, there's 150 kids there, you know, learning what it takes to reach a tribal group with the gospel. And they're learning about field medicine. And they're, you know, just learning all these things and take our organization times thousands of others. And, yeah, yeah. Scripture says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. And sometimes when you pray, um, you're the person that (laughs) that God says, Hmm, your family would really be good at this. You're hospitable or, you know, you're, uh, you're able to live frugally or whatever. So yeah, the missions has not stopped. And, um, of course, um, as people come to know the Lord in different countries, then they take over the mm. the work. But there's always room for outsiders to come in who, you know, have have an expertise. Or, um, but yeah, our job is to teach the tribal people and bring them to maturity, so they start reaching all their neighboring villages with the gospel. And our job is to work ourselves out of a job. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question. No, no, I just,
0: I think sometimes because we live in our lives and we get Mm. stuck on what we're doing, sometimes we don't think about that global scope and we think, oh, do people still go to mission fields? Like Mm. I grew up reading, you know, biographies of people Uh and we might think, oh, surely the world is reached by now. You know, Mm. I think sometimes we think with technology and this and that, oh, surely people need, you know, don't need to hear this or whatever, Uh but to realize that there are still so many unreached people groups or people groups that don't even have scripture in the your
2: own language. Many, you know, many languages that have never even been been written down. Yeah. So the first job the missionary has in that village is, you know, learn the language, but they have, it has to be put into writing. And right. of course those people don't read and write their language and yeah. teach them how to read and write because you're going to have to get the scriptures in their heart language. And as, you know, moms, young moms, as you read missionary stories to your children, God's going to Raise up an army of people to reach the unreached, and it may be your children because you read them stories about Amy Carmichael mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how she went to India and rescued temple children, and um, you know, all these great missionaries of the faith that you read about. Um, God may be doing something in their hearts, and they may be the ones who go and reach a new tribal group with the gospel. So, yeah.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about the pull on your heart, you and your husband? What got you guys in this direction?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't think, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, I don't think I was even really called to the mission field. <laughs> that was never a, um, I was always interested in that. Okay. And I knew that somehow I would be involved, but I always figured given money or mm-hmm. or something behind the scenes, but then I fell in in love with Martin, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like God called me to Martin, mm-hmm. and whatever Martin was going to do, that's what I wanted to help him do, yeah. to be his help me, and that's not a very that's popular, not a popular opinion. You, you, <laughs> you follow your own dreams, right? right? But But no, I think God calls us to be meets for these men. And if they're working at Cessna in Wichita, Mm -hmm. you're to make them the best at Cessna Mm -hmm. and have a godly home behind them. So for me, God called me to Martin, Mm -hmm. and he was headed for the mission field, and I couldn't have been happier that we ended up there.
1: Because of that, did you, was the thought of, persecution or trouble like was that in your mind because i at least for me i've known some friends who have felt that specific call right on their lives but then they're always kind of thinking okay what's this going to cost what's this going to cost and maybe that was part of um i have not read your books yet which is so sad even though i have them right here (laughs) um so maybe you talk about this but was it was it a surprise when this happened? I mean, how could it not be a surprise? You know, but but how prepared do you think you were, as far as expecting trouble? I you
2: guess? know, uh, we were really careful to avoid trouble. That mm-hmm. was part of our training. Yeah, uh, to keep your ear to the ground and and make sure that you knew where the peace and order problems were and mm-hmm. be watching what the American embassy sent out as. Warnings for certain areas and travel advisories. We were very careful about that. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. And I don't know why I didn't think we were going to have tribulation. Because <laughs> yeah. when it did happen to us, it was a shock. Yeah. You know, not hardly ever did I say, Lord, thank you so much that we have this opportunity to suffer for you. Mm-hmm. You know, to to join you in your suffering, the fellowship of His suffering. Maybe now, if it happened again, yeah. I would be thinking that way, but I sure wasn't thinking that way. I was thinking, oh, we are in big trouble yeah. and just trying to cope. And um, But yeah. God teaches us our greatest lessons when we're at our lowest. And I think God brought me very low. Um, I think He showed me my sin and my need, and my my ickiness, <laughs> and he showed himself very strong, and he showed me his grace and his love, and I learned life lessons that I never would have lived uh, learned living in Derby, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, yeah, That's so true. God takes you to a place and puts things in your path so you can learn to see his hand when he pulls you up out of it, I think.